Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have The Christmas Murder Game by Alexandra Benedict. Let's start off with why we picked this book. So do you want to tell us a little bit about why we picked this book? We were looking for a holiday book because it is December. I know we did a holiday book last year, but we didn't the year before. So I guess it kind of depends on our mood. I don't remember, but I don't think we liked the one last year that much. So we were trying to find one that really put us in the Christmas spirit. And we also like cozy mysteries. And this book is one of those locked room cozy mystery books. So I think that's why we picked it. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I think that that pretty much sums it up. I feel like we picked this one because we wanted something that would be kind of murder mystery vibes meets Christmas time. And it was honestly, I thought overall it was a pretty decent read. What did you think? I thoroughly enjoyed it for the reasons that you texted me about, which we can get into. I found it highly, highly predictable. And this is from someone who really doesn't necessarily see things coming, even in these types of books. Like, most of the time I just get into the story. I'm not really thinking about like, oh, who did it or this or that. But this, it was kind of like smack you in the face obvious. But that didn't make it a negative reading experience for me, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I also felt like there were certain things that were predictable. For example, that our main character is going to get the house at the end. I could have told you that from the get-go because she was the one who was like, oh yeah, I had to stop playing these games because I was too good at them. Okay. Alrighty. Confidence much. (laughs) Also, first, there's going to be spoilers because it's a mystery book and you can't really talk about a mystery book without actually talking about what happened. So if you have a problem with that, stop, read the book, come back, or just, I don't know, do something else for this next little section. Scratch that, probably the whole rest of the podcast. But something else that was super duper predictable was the fact that Tom was a bad person because the aunt warned uh, Lily, like, oh, don't trust any of your cousins, don't trust any of your family. And then he was being super helpful and he was like almost too helpful. And I thought right from the beginning, he did it. He did something. Yeah, I looked at it and when people started to get murdered, I was like, it's either him or Ronnie. Because they were the two people who were nice to her. I was like, everybody else is too mean where it would be too obvious if they were the people who were killing the others in the house. So before we get a little too far into the details, shall we provide a brief overview for anyone who doesn't plan on reading the book and still wants to listen? Yeah, or even people who do and just like to know what they're getting into before they get started. Yeah, I think that sounds great. The whole premise for this book is that Aunt Liliana dies and she invites her children and her nieces and nephews to come back to this big fancy house called Endgame. And when all the children were little, they'd have something called the Christmas game where she would write clues and then they would have to go hunt for their presents. And so in this version, because she's dead, is that each of the 12 days of Christmas, there'll be a clue, which leads to a key. And if they have the right key, they get the deed to the house. And so it's interesting because all of the cousins kind of come together and they're all stuck in this house and they have to follow her rules if they want to be eligible to win the deed to the house. So some of those rules include things like you can't have your cell phone on you and more or less no outside communication and you can't leave and then come back. 
You aren't even technically supposed to ask the other cousins for help. You're only allowed to ask your spouse. Also, it kind of gives me Big Brother vibes, like the reality show, because apparently there were cameras all over the house. Oh, see, I've never watched the Big Brother show, so I, I didn't make that connection, but I could see where you probably would have. I've never seen this show because even for me, I'm like, there is a level of reality TV that I just can't even do. You know, like, it's so bad. But I've seen all the ads. I see, I see. So when you were saying reality TV, that is to a level that you can't do because it's so bad. My thoughts immediately went to Black Mirror. But then I was like, that's not reality TV. But it feels like the same thing where it's just you can't. Some people just can't watch it because it's too close to what our society is going through. So because I feel like this is kind of Agatha Christie inspired in the fact that it is one of those locked door mysteries. And conveniently, while they're all there, there's a massive snowstorm to the point that they cannot get out. Also, someone cuts down a giant tree so they can't go down the driveway. And the longer they're stuck there, people start dying. So not only does Lily have to figure out how to get like if she's going to get the keys to the house, she's also trying to figure out what happened to her mother who died in that house like 20 years earlier. And she has to figure out who's killing all her cousins. Exactly. I was honestly surprised at how many people got murdered in this book. Maybe I should not have been shocked, but I was shocked because by the end, there was only like two people and Lily. And you're like, all right, like this is getting real suspicious. Also, I'm sorry. Can we talk about the Tom and Sarah relationship for a minute? You're skipping right to the end, aren't you? I have to. I'm sorry. I've been, like, waiting to talk about this. I'm like, this is just, ugh. Okay, so the way I remember this, and it's been, like, a week or so since I finished this book, is at the end, you find out that Tom and Sarah are kind of working together, but kind of not because Tom turns on her and ends up killing her. But before that happens, so I just remember the scene when Lily is, like, walking through the house at night, even though she's not supposed to. And she hears sounds coming from Sarah's room. And then next day at breakfast, she's trying to, like, figure out who it is. Then at the end, it's revealed that it's Tom, who I love this book because they do provide a family tree, which I did reference. But they're cousins. Everybody there is cousins, aside from the spouses. Aside from the spouses. If Sarah was having some sort of weird affair with one of the cousin's spouses, I'd be like, that's not great, but like, I'll be okay with this. Yeah, you're not related by blood. It's a little bit less weird. Just, just a little. Still makes you a bad person, but a little less weird. Also, the fact that Sarah had said something to Lily that was insinuating that she was with Tom, like that Lily and Tom were together at some point during the book. It was like earlier on in the book. And I remember because I was like, who would you, why would you even joke about that? Like, that's just, like, weird. I would never joke with my cousins about that. It's just gross. It is kind of odd. Yeah, and later on, she has this whole relationship with Tom. I was like, this is so bizarre. So bizarre. So, suffice to say, Tom was not my favorite person in this book. I mean, neither was Sarah. She annoyed me from the start. Sarah, mm -hmm. Sarah kind of gave me, like, that one-note villain vibe. You know, where it's like, you just hate her and there are literally no redeeming qualities. As we've said before, I really like a morally gray villain and she is not one. So therefore, I did not like Sarah either. How do you feel about Dane now? 
We'll get into it when we talk about the book because I will not have spoilers on this podcast for a book that's not related to this one. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, Kind of related to that other point is I'm fine with just hating a villain. You know, I'm like, they don't like the protagonist, so I don't like them. But like, I feel like she tried to do some character development and tried to tie it back to how the aunt always used to say that to Sarah, like how she wasn't smart and how she would always praise Lily. So I think she tried to do something, but it did seem very much, oh, I hate you, Lily, because of when we were like 10. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was also really interesting how Aunt Liliana, that was the that was the aunt, right? I think it's also very interesting how Aunt Liliana was so out there with her feelings about her children versus Lily. Because I'm like, I don't like maybe this is just my family. But I look at that and I'm like, I could never imagine someone in my family being like that. It's just not. It's so demoralizing to a child growing up if you clearly have a favorite. I think that this family does not have the healthiest dynamics. Very true. Because if you think about it, this generation that's locked in the house for the Christmas game is not the only generation of, were they Armstridges? I don't remember their last name. But they're not the only generation of this family who has killed their cousins because Lily's mother was killed by Lily's uncle, and then Lily's aunt killed the uncle for killing the mother. True. Technically siblings, but true. Yes. Not cousins. But they're still in the same family. They're still in the same, like, this family has a thing. Like, I feel like they need some therapy or something to learn how to healthily process their feelings, because it seems like they all just revert to, I'm going to kill them. Yeah, I feel like some anger management would be very helpful for this family because murder is not the answer to all of your problems. And okay, I still want to know, like, at the end, when the cops showed up, what would happen? Because you just have a house full of dead people. And then it's like, oh, yeah, it was Tom, but Tom's dead. So, like, how do you even prove that? I guess, like, I guess you could say, like, you had witnesses, but still. But still, the whole thing feels very, like, how do you explain what happened at the end? Like, there's a reason why it ended once everybody got back together and was reunited and not when the police showed up. The only thing I can think of is they show them the creepy big brother footage and hope it had audio. True. I mean, I guess that would do it. That would do it. That's probably why they have all the cameras. I also think... If we're going back to Aunt Liliana, I think she was not a good person. I think she was extremely manipulative. And she, I don't know, I feel like it's a weird power trip to set this whole thing up when you're dead. Oh, it totally is. And the fact that she, like, could have just outwardly told Lily, like, hey, this is who killed your mom. But she didn't. And she was like, let me have you revoke your title of the house, go through all of these different things, and then. At the end, if you solve all the things, then you can find out who killed your mom. Like, it just felt really odd to me. I didn't love it. I didn't love that. I think part of it is the aunt's own self-preservation, right? Because if she told Lily who killed her mother, maybe she was afraid because Lily seems kind of smart that she put it together that Aunt Liliana killed the uncle and Aunt Liliana doesn't want to go to jail. So she's kind of doing like a Almost like a deathbed confession, but like 
a from beyond the grave confession. But see, I feel like you could have literally just left a letter with Mrs. Castle and it would have been fine. Oh, yeah. After she's dead. No, I was just thinking about like why she didn't say anything when she was still alive. No, I was thinking like after she was dead, like that's a power trip after you're dead to be like, instead of just leaving you a note, I'm going to have everybody come together. And not to mention like the fact that pretty much all the cousins were killed because of this whole situation where you're trying to get the deed to the house. Like what? So my question is, is literally, as you said, there's five cousins. Some of them have spouses, but literally only Lily. Rachel and then Rachel's wife Holly were alive at the end. So, like you said, basically everyone was killed. But also, like, why did Rachel and Holly get to live? She killed everyone else off, right? So why don't you just kill the whole family off? I don't know. I feel like maybe it was just to make it so it wasn't quite so dark at the end. Or alternatively, the other reason why I could possibly think of it is because A lot of the times, like, LGBTQ characters tend to get killed off at higher rates in stories and in media, like, whether that's in TV shows and books, and maybe she was trying to actively not contribute to that issue that we see happening. I feel like there was a lot of LGBTQ representation in this book, though. I was, like, pleasantly surprised by it. It was not something that I was expecting, but I was here for it. I was like, this is actually kind of great. I think the reason why I liked it so much was... It was done in a way where that wasn't their defining characteristic. Yes. It was kind of like, oh, like, Holly and Rachel are a gay couple and they have a kid and like, okay, well, let's go solve this murder mystery. Or when they were just out participating in the clues and stuff. Like, it wasn't always about their identity, which I feel like it's fine to have books that address that. Like, there's a space for that and there should be but i think sometimes too when you're belonging in that community is like you just want to read a book or any community that's like represented in books is like you want to have some reading experiences where it's just like oh this is just a part of who they are and like the book isn't about that yeah i feel like i've heard that a lot about like ethnicity as well where sometimes it's like especially even like in the art scene where it's like If I create art that's not necessarily about, like, my ethnic background, is it going to still do well and is it going to still be accepted? Because that is a part of who I am, but also that's, for some people, that's not all of who they are. Like, you know what I mean? For a lot of people, that's not all of who they are. Like, people are multifaceted and they should be able to represent that. Yeah. So I just thought it was nice that this book did that in a way where they were just kind of there as people and... It wasn't hiding it and they weren't like, I don't know. I'm just rambling, but I guess I just liked it. I also thought that Isabel and Lily's relationship, well, not even relationship, situationship was kind of cute. I was like, oh, so they were like kind of together when they were kids, but then they had like grown apart and now they're back together again. And then she asks her out on a date at the end of the book. I was like, oh, this is so cute. I love it. That is cute. On another note, though, I feel like I would be very concerned after seeing what just went down in that house to be involved with this family. I'd be like, okay, we can go on a date, but we're never seeing your family members ever again. Fair, fair. But I mean, granted, she's like one of the few family members left, so maybe just all the non-crazies are the ones who are left. Well, I think they are, yeah. Also, like as a side note, I really kind of liked Mrs. Castle. (laughs) I did too. I don't know. 
I feel like I've seen a character similar to her written in other books, but I'm trying to think of who it is. Like, I cannot think of it. Like, but her character feels very familiar. Oh, this is completely not related to Mrs. Castle, so we can go back if you want to. But there's a description. It's on page 18, if anyone's wondering. Actually, I'm going to try to find it. Okay. So the description on page 18, Lily feels her eyes itching with backed up tears, like she's allergic to thinking of murder as she is to cats. But that doesn't stop her from picking up cats and burying her face in their fur. She doesn't want to get that close to murder. That description of Lily is me if I was allergic to cats. I'd just be like, I don't care. I feel like what you said beneath that also reinforces that you are Lily. So do you want to say your one that you have beneath that on our bulleted list? Yeah, when I was taking notes, which I feel like I always do for the first parts of the book and then I give up. But about how when they were little and they were playing hide and seek and how Lily was the only one who would fully count to 100 and her cousins would all cheat and like start searching early. And then my like little commentary note says, am I Lily? (laughs) I feel like that's so accurate, though. I love that. That's so funny. I feel like my notes were very, um, very minimal. I had cozy winter vibes. Tom was a snake with a million question marks. And then who carried out the murders? Because I was trying to determine which ones were him and which ones were Sarah. Mm. I was like, who did it? Okay, I have a question. Since this is a pretty big part of the book, are the clues. Did you actually try to figure them out? Because I didn't. I have this thing where whenever somebody puts something in index and italics in a book, I'm not reading it. I don't know what happens. Even if I try to, my eyes just glaze over and all of a sudden I'm at like the next page. So I feel like I did read them and like to some extent at first I was trying to figure out the clues, but then I realized that literally as the reader, you would not be able to figure out these clues because you don't know anything that's going on in the house. For example, it'd be like, oh yeah, this must be in the library or this is in the wine cellar. And you're like, who has a wine cellar in their house? How would you figure that out? Or there'd be things that harkened back to previous moments in their lives that it's like you as the reader are kept in the dark about those things. So it would be very difficult, I think, for a reader to go and solve these clues. I agree. And I think once I realized I couldn't solve them, I'm like, I don't care. Let's go off to the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I was the same way. Because I think for some mystery books, you do have that aspect of I can solve this, which is really fun. But then this was definitely one where I felt like you weren't able to solve it because you just didn't have the outside knowledge that these other characters in the book have. To your point about who has a wine cellar, I imagine this as a very big and fancy English manner because, like you said, wine cellar, but also when they were talking about how they're like, we're in the sunning room or whatever they call it, and about how they move to different rooms of the house, depending on the time of day, I'm like, you have to be rich to have enough rooms in your house to do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it was definitely a large house. I imagine it as like, one of the estate houses around the area that I live in, because not that there are a ton of them, but like there are some houses that are like, I would, I wouldn't call them an estate, but like they're, they're pretty big houses. And so I just imagine being like someone in an old wealthy household, like, oh, I'm going to move from this room to the next. Are they McMansions? Mm, Some are, some aren't. Like there are a lot of normal sized houses around here. There's a lot of like mix of apartment buildings and, you know, it's like a very mixed rent own neighborhood, but like normal houses in the neighborhood will go for like 600, 700, 800 to a million. 
which is crazy. So then, of course, you've got a couple houses that are like actually really big houses around. And those ones, I'm like, how? what do you do with all of this space? Because there are so many rooms. Like, you could fit two or three families in there. Easily. So, did you have a favorite character in this book? Honestly, I didn't really like any of the cousins. I thought they were all kind of bad. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie was okay. Ronnie wasn't that bad. But then he died. How could they do this to Ronnie? Ronnie was kind of nice. Yeah, he was okay. I feel like he was... I feel like Ronnie was fine. He wasn't, like, overly nice in the way that Tom was. He was just normal nice. But I don't remember... What's her name? Philippa? The wife? Yeah, she was awful. See, I don't remember Philippa that much. I just remember her being mean to Ronnie. Oh. Or, like, kind of controlling. Like, she would kind of do jabs at him. Yeah, that is kind of sad. I don't like that very much. Um, what else? Do still feel kind of bad because she ended up dead, so. Can't be too mad at her. True. It's hard to hold a grudge against someone who's dead. Especially a fictional somebody. (laughs) Especially a fictional somebody. Exactly. I feel like, in terms of my favorite character, Lily was good. I liked, um, Isabel. Mrs. Castle was good. Those were, like, probably my top three. I don't think I had, like, a strong favorite character in this book. I did like Mrs. Castle. She had a little bit of sass sometimes. Like, I remember one scene where she was walking into the dining room or the tea room or whatever room they were in, and the cousins were all arguing, and then she's standing there, and she's like, can I put this tray down yet? Yeah, she was like, I'm over it. You all need to chill out. (laughs) Yeah. I agree, though. I didn't really have a standout favorite. I thought Isabel was kind of nice, but also she kind of played into Aunt Liliana's whole thing. Yeah, and I feel like she was also only there for such a small sliver of the book. It was hard to really get to know her to say that she was, like, my favorite character. Right. I also think it's a little weird how she was hiding out in the secret room the whole time. Yeah. I mean, granted, she did save Lily when Lily had an attempt on her life. That's true. But she did break the rules. She did. But didn't everybody kind of break the rules because they were all working with each other and stealing each other's keys? Yep. The whole thing was just a mess. It was. Okay. My question is when they were, there's a lot of, not a lot, but a couple times they went into a lot of detail about the whole chocolate sauce blood thing. Like, how realistic can you make, do you not remember this? No. Yeah, because when Lily was little, her uncle was making, like, fake blood out of chocolate syrup or something. Oh, now I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I was like, how did people think that was actual blood? Yeah, I would find that hard to believe. And the fact that everything washed out of her mom's clothes after her mom was dead for, like, how many years? Like, ten years? I was like, at that point, it would be stained. It would be crusty and not coming out. I don't care what it is. It would not come out. To the point where these people need some sort of, like, better coping mechanisms? How messed up do you have to be to put fake blood into your cousin's dead mom's jacket and leave it for her to find? Yeah. I feel like that was just overly cruel. 
I did highly appreciate the descriptions in this book. It felt very wintry. Also, it really made me want to eat food. Yes, I feel like, weirdly enough, when we thought marrying the ketchups would have all the good food descriptions, this one kind of had the good food descriptions and very much had that cozy holiday, wintry magic. So I think if you're looking for a book with some wintry magic, this is a great read. But if you think about the number of, because they had lunch, they had tea, they had dinner, they had desserts afterwards, they had so many meals, I feel like you would have to have, you'd have to be rich enough to have somebody like Mrs. Castle serving your family to to have that many meals. Because I feel like us regular people don't do that. Have you ever had high tea? I might have, because my mom talks about how when I was little, I was obsessed with tea parties. So for my birthday, she and my aunt took me to like a tea thing at- a hotel or something in Boston and they were talking about it because they think it's funny how they spent all this money on something I don't remember because I was like four. Oh, I think I went and had high tea with my grandma once we went to a place somewhat nearby it was really good they had all all these little tiny snacks and you had your tea it was very like cozy I know some cruise lines have high tea so it seems super cute and fun and I love the idea of little food So then I was thinking, ooh, maybe I can do a tea party, right? But then I think about how much of a pain it is to make a bunch of mini food, and I thought maybe I shouldn't. So if you do like a tea party, I think you should request that everybody bring some little mini finger food. So they can make like little mini snack things, like whether it's like little granola clusters, or they can make like some little sandwiches or some little tiny trinkety desserts. I think that that would be the move. Or you can even have like, I feel like a lot of what was there was sweets, weirdly enough, or like little tiny appetizery type things. So I feel like you can just request that everybody bring a different one and then you just arrange it to look aesthetic once everybody gets there and you provide the tea. Yeah, I think it'd be really cute. There's something fun about mini food. Mm-hmm. Overall, who would you recommend this book to? I think I would recommend it to readers like us, right? You'd want a cozy Christmas book to kick off the season with. And if you like cozy mysteries, I think also you have to be somebody that doesn't mind it being super predictable. Like this is not the mystery to read if you want it to be an actual mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you also have to be okay with it being a little bit graphic at times because I feel like some of the descriptions of the people who were dead were a little bit graphic. Yeah, I think some of them got a little detailed for a cozy mystery because I feel like cozy mysteries are usually, they're dead and there's a knife sticking out of them and then like, that's it. Yeah, so just brace yourself. If you're one of those people who's like a little squeamish, might not be the book for you, but if you're okay with it, it would be, I think it'd most likely be fine. I think they're not too bad. Yeah, I don't think they're anything like outrageous, but it's just something to note. Our next book club is going to be Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. And that will be dropping on January 8th. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on The Christmas Murder Game by Alexandra Benedict. We'd love to hear of any cozy Christmas books that you're reading. So feel free to email us at selenaspodcast at gmail.com and DM us on Instagram at selenaspodcast. And don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you listen. Bye.